0: Good morning. It is good to worship our God together with you. Welcome to White Plains. Thank you worship team for leading us. Thank you, Brett. My name is Gary. If you're new here, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest today. I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Kids, it was good it's always good to see you here. It was good to see you at Ralphie's yesterday. I know I talked to a few of you. Some of you are sore, but I bet not as sore as I am. Bowling's a young man's game, I guess. Um, But we had a good time, didn't we? Yeah? It was good spending that time uh, together at Ralphie's. Um, To those uh, who weren't able to make it, uh, CJ is planning some other things that are fun for us to do, and so be ready for the 8th of April. That is Saturday before Easter. That is going to be... I guarantee you've never done what we're gonna do on Saturday before Easter. That's all I can say right now. Um, CJ's promised me to secrecy, but we'll we'll start talking more about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, But I know that you've never done what we're gonna do on the 8th. So kids, get excited about that. Um, We always have fun on Wednesday nights for family night. If you're if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, if you're an adult. we have a good time on family night, so, so be here uh, for that as well. But kids, you guys are dismissed to go on up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for kids in kindergarten grade, and they'll be dismissed to the lobby after our service this morning is over. And as they're leaving, we are going to begin a five-week series that will lead us up to Easter. Jonah is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I don't know if you have a a favorite book of the Bible, and if you do, it may not be in the Old Testament, and that's okay, but Jonah is one of my favorites. It's short. That's not why it's my favorite, but it is short. It's an easy read. There's tons of good stuff in it, though. There's a message this morning uh, for us, I'm sure. I've been excited uh, to share this time with you. In fact, I didn't sleep hardly at all last night. I don't know if it was caffeine I had late, but... um, but i am tired this morning but i am excited to be in jonah with you i'm trusting that god will use this book to use this story to reveal something about himself to you and i'm also almost certain that god will use this to reveal something about yourself to you as we look in to jonah this morning I'm able to make it each week it's a five week series there's so much good stuff here that if you're going to miss a week uh, you're going to miss some of that message and i would encourage you to be here uh, jonah is a prophetic narrative that's it. it's a prophetic narrative and prophetic narratives are stories that meaning to current or future events while they all its readers to action and that's what's happening here in jonah i'm certain there's a message for you this series in Jonah. So over the next five weeks i want to reveal this message in jonah to you as we these four chapters it is packed with meaning. Spend time with Jonah this week. Read through it each week during this, season, during this series. It's only four chapters. It's two pages in my Bible, so it's, it's an easy read. It's quick. I would encourage you to spend time with it uh, as we go through this book, this series. And my prayer for you is that after we finish this series here in Jonah, that you will feel you have a better understanding of a book... That you will be able to see how its message, even though ancient, still applies to us today. Still applies to you and your friends and your family. Now with this goal, you may notice that your note sheet is a bit different. Um, I will point to you to resources that I've used in this study. If you want to research and do more study in the book of Jonah, your notes will also have some discussion questions. Now, we use these discussions Wednesday nights during our family night. So we start at 6 o'clock in the chapel for worship. Then after a few songs, our kids and teenagers and adults all disperse to different programs. And this is what the adults do. We're going to be going through uh, what we're learning in Jonah together. And I would encourage you to be part of the discussions that we have on Wednesdays. There are some things in Jonah that may hit you harder than you expect. There are hard messages in Jonah. And if you find that it hurts questions, Wednesday night is a really good time to talk about that. We have a, a small group of folks who, who enjoy talking about what we're learning on Sundays, and this is what we're going to be doing on Wednesdays during this. Season. If you've been coming here for a while, you, you know it's been my practice to put all the Bible passages on the screen behind me. I'm not going to do that during this, se- during this series. I want to encourage you to read Scripture with me from your physical Bible or your Bible app on your phone. Um, and so if you don't have a Bible, you can download the free YouVersion Bible app on your phone. We have Bibles at the Welcome Desk. Um, I read from the ESV translation, and so if you're on the app, that's the one to follow along with. But go ahead and start fl- one. That's where we're going to be, in a few, and it might take you some time. Like I said, it's a little bitty book it's amongst a bunch of other little bitty books. Um, but this morning, I have included the text in your notes. So if you don't have your Bible or you forgot it, it's there on your notes too. But next week, um, if you're here, please uh, bring bring your Bible with you. Message in Jonah for you. I'm certain of it. There's also probably a message in Jonah for your friend or a family member. And as I share this message that Jonah shares with you, I hope you're going to feel empowered to share this message with others. In fact, at the end of the series, I am going to encourage you to share this message with others as it comes up, as opportunity presents itself. You're going to have the background of what's in Jonah. You're going to have the storyline. You're going to have gospel points. You're going to have discussion questions and additional resources to help you really know this book, this short book of the Old Testament. It will help you to share the warning and hope that we have here in Jonah. If you have a friend or family member who has disconnected themselves from church over the past few months, a few years the story of Jonah is a good biblical share with them in hopes to bring them back into the fellowship of the church to have them here but as you go through the message of Jonah and it draws them back to a gospel preaching Bible believing Jesus following church then well done even if it's not here use this story of Jonah to bring back those who may have wandered away So I realize I am expecting a lot from this little bitty book in the Old Testament. What are we going to find in its pages? The story of Jonah is about a man running from God. There is mention of a whale or a really big fish, but it's not about that. It's the story about a man running from God and a patient, loving, merciful God running after him. We're going to get to that part of the whale next week, but don't get too excited because, as the subtitle says, it's not about the whale. It's not. If you've grown up in church or been around church-going folks, you're probably familiar with the whale in the church. The church talks about the whale. It's cute. It's fascinating. It's, it's so much so that it really makes the, the story in Jonah almost too good to believe. It's it's difficult to believe that this actually happened, that it's historically factual and not a parable. The story found in Jonah is actual history. It happened just as we find in Scripture. It's not just a story that Jonah wrote to make a point. It's not a parable. Jonah really existed. We have uh, mentioned of him in other parts of the bible he was a, and in the old testament Jonah is mentioned in second kings chapter 14 verse 25 and it was during the height of jeroboam's the second that Jonah existed that's when he was serving as a prophet in but but what about the whale did that really happen did that do you, do you know folks who say that really didn't happen, that's just a story? I want you to know this morning that that did really happen. We have record in the, in the New Testament of someone using that story to teach. Now let me read this passage from Matthew and see if you can tell me who's teaching. Just listen as I read Matthew twelve, thirty-eight through 40 then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, "Teacher, we wish you to we wish to see a sign from you." But he answered them, "An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of that great fish, so will the son of man be 3 days and 3 nights" in the heart of the earth who was teaching using Jonah and the story of the well Jesus Jesus was teaching using this and he wasn't using it as a parable we have an old testament historical record of Jonah's existence and his as his, and his ministry as a prophet and we have Jesus in the new testament using Jonah's life and ministry to prophesy of his own death and foreshadow the resurrection. You can tell I'm excited about Jonah. I hope you are too. Let's, let's jump into it. Look with me at Jonah 1. We'll read 1 through 6 at this historically true narrative found in Jonah. 1. Verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Of Amitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, where the from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled A great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this mess, Jonah. Lord, I pray that we would have ears open to hear from you in your word this morning you're good to us thank you for your goodness it's in jesus name we pray amen so jonah was a prophet that is he speaks for god that's his job god gives him a message and he delivers it he doesn't make up the message it's a message that god gives to the prophet prophets in the bible normally speak to the people of israel Most of the Old Testament tells stories of prophets speaking to the people of Israel, calling them back to God. They would give a message of warning and hope. That's what prophets do. They warn. They warn people to repent, to change their direction, and share the hope that God will be with them. This is the message that God gives prophets. This is the message that God gave Jonah. But Jonah is a little different. He has this same message, one of repentance and following God, one of warning and hope. But Jonah is sent not to prophesy to Israel. In your notes, you can write down in your first blank, Jonah is sent to the Gentiles. Now Gentiles are anyone who's not from Israel. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. Most of us here are probably Gentiles, just to the Gentiles. And this is different than normal. This is, there are only three prophets in the Old Testament that were sent to the Gentiles. And I look it up. Do you all know the other two? Probably not. I mean, it's really difficult. That's such a unique piece of trivia. But the three Prophets that were sent in the Old Testament to the Gentiles are Jonah, Nahum, and Obadiah. There are over fifty prophets and prophetesses in the Old Testament, but only three of them outside of Israel. So this is important because it's different. Why does God send prophets outside of Israel in the Old Testament? The people of Israel were set apart. They were God's chosen people. Why would God send prophets to people who were not his chosen people? It's different. But again, in your notes, God has always been chasing all groups of people. God has always been chasing all groups of people. Have you ever felt outside, outside of the church, Have you ever felt far away from where God's people are, where God would have you be? Know this. God has always been chasing after you. He knows you. He cares about what you're going through. God wants you to know him. The creator and maker of the universe and everything in it, he knows you and he cares about what you're going through. He sees you and has compassion. God has always been chasing all groups of people. The people of Nineveh are not your friendly Gentile. You may think that you're too far gone for God, that God can't reach you. You may look at your history and recognize there's some serious bad stuff in your life things you've done, things you've sought. Uh, you've thought, things you've said. We all have those, though. And usually it's not good to compare, especially sin. It's not good to compare our life experiences with each other, because we all have pasts littered with selfishness, pride, and envy, and all kinds of stuff that would make God mad at us because of the way we act, things that he would not want us to be a part of. It's not good to compare, but I'm going to go out on a limb this morning and let you know that whatever you may have in your past, the people here in Nineveh were worse. They were worse than you. I would guarantee it. You might have, you might have a pretty bad reputation around town. It might not have gotten to me yet. I'm only, uh, next week will be my first year anniversary here, so maybe your reputation hasn't reached me yet, but you might have a bad reputation in your family. It's nothing compared to the reputation that the people of Nineveh had. Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire, and here's what Tim Keller says about the reputation of these people. After capturing enemies, the Assyrians would typically cut off their and one arm, leaving the other arm and hand so they could shake the victim's hand in mockery as he was dying. That's terrible. That's awful. You haven't done that, have you? Probably. If not, we'll talk, but I told you they were worse than you. That's bad. This is the reputation of the people of Nineveh. Now, for my study, it was more than just a reputation. This was an accurate description of the way they lived amongst the people they conquered. I won't go into all of it because it's, it's gruesome. But Jonah knows this reputation. Jonah also knows other prophecies that haven't been uh, come into fruition yet that says that the Assyrians, possibly including these Ninevites, will capture the people of Israel. Amos says in his prophecy in Amos 5:27, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. So God is saying to the Israelites that they are going to be exiled from their land beyond their borders. Hosea in his prophecy in 11:5 says they shall not return to the land of Egypt. But Assyria shall be because they have refused to return to me. So we have one prophecy saying, you're going to be exiled. Another prophecy saying, you're not going back to Egypt. It's going to be worse. The Assyrians will be your king. And the Assyrians are your king because the people of Israel have refused to return to God. Hosea, Amos, and Jonah were all alive and active about the same time. So this was a fresh, new, scared people. if you were told to be captured by this kind of an enemy? These are the very people to whom Jonah is being sent. So in your notes, Jonah is being sent to the enemy. If you're a and you've been commanded by God to go to the Russians and deliver a message of grace, how difficult would that be? it would almost be impossible, wouldn't it? I think we understand what Jonah's doing here, don't we? Jonah runs, but he doesn't run to where God is calling him to go. He runs in the opposite direction. He runs far away, as far away as he can from where he's supposed to be. He runs and tries to hide from God. He tries to hide from God. Can you ever really hide from God? No, of course not. No matter where you go or how far you run, you cannot hide from God. But we try sometimes, don't we? We try to hide. We try hard, just like Jonah here, who hopped on a boat to be taken to the end of the known world at this time in the opposite direction of where he's being called. You might be trying to hide from God right now. God sees you. And I don't mean to say that to scare you. That's not my intention. God sees you. I don't want you to cause panic in in you because of that, but I mean it to let you know that God sees you and he loves you. God cares about what you're going through. No matter how distant you think you are from him, he is chasing after you with arms open, to lovingly embrace you with the gospel. Even if you're in active rebellion against God and others right now, God is graciously chasing after you. Jonah is actively in rebellion against God right here, and we see God chasing Jonah as Jonah attempts to run. But in your notes there, Jonah's rebellion is an expression hatred toward God. Jonah's rebellion is an expression of hatred to God. Many of us may not say we hate God, but sometimes our actions prove it. And that's what's happening here with Jonah. Jonah knows God. He's a prophet of God. He kind of works for him. But Jonah thinks God has it wrong here. Jonah thinks God is wrong with this message to the Ninevites, Jonah has these other prophecies in mind, the ones about Israel being captured. Ask yourself why would the God Jonah serves send him to the enemy and warn them and call them to repent? Why would God do that? If this happened to you, would you think God was wrong? Have you ever asked God why? As life happens, we can find ourselves in some pretty rough situations. Just yesterday, I got a text message from a friend of mine. And she was saying that a mutual friend of ours, who's just a little bit older than me, is not responding to the cancer treatments that he's been given. He uh, has teenage children uh, as a pastor. He was my boss uh, in Ohio. And when you look, when you think of a great, godly, humble uh, servant, you think of this guy. Like this is, he's as good a guy as you would want church with and to call a friend. And he's not responding to the cancer treatments that he's been given. With stage four lung cancer, it's it's not a good uh, prognosis by any means. And I find myself asking, my, asking, why? Why would God allow this guy to go through this with kids at home, his wife had to quit her job to take care of him, and just all that, all that drama that is associated with stuff like this. And I know that that experience is here. And you know of folks going through the same kind of stuff. And you might be wondering, and asking God why. It's okay to ask God why. He's, he's big. He can answer that question. Sometimes we don't get the answers we're looking for. Sometimes we answer it all. But pain and grief are real. And these emotions, to ask God why. Why would God do this? Why did that have to happen? Why am I filling in the blank? For some, the whys of life can cause us to distance ourselves from God. The things that bring about that why can cause us to run far from God, especially if we don't get the answer or we don't understand. Left with why, we often run. Are you running right now? Are you running from God right now? As you run, know that God loves you. God cares for you, especially even in the thing that you're running. As you run, are you running from God? Stop. Turn back. Turn back to God. He is with you, with his loving arms wide open, ready to embrace you with the gospel. Jonah hates the people of Nineveh. He hates them, so much so that he would just assume they all die and go to hell. And the Ninevites, I think many of us would agree, wouldn't we? These are bad people. But Jonah is given a message of warning and hope from God to give to these Ninevites. And Jonah chooses not to tell them by running the other way and keeping silent, Jonah is expressing his, his hatred of the people of Nineveh, and that hatred of them turns to hatred of Jonah. Jonah doesn't even ask why. Jonah acts as if God is wrong without even asking. He runs, and he remains silent. To those of us who call White Plains home, God has given us a similar message. In your notes, the church has a message like the one given to Jonah. You and I have a similar message here. It's a message to go into the world that might be hostile toward us. We've been given a message of warning and of hope to warn the world of its evil and to call it to repentance, to call the people to repentance while sharing the hope of a, an eternal future with God. Many times, we may find ourselves in the same boat as Jonah, disagreeing with God. We might recognize that that world outside of these walls would just assume to do us harm than to listen to us if it was allowed. The command for us to go into this hostile world is difficult, but it's our command. God has called us to go into this hostile world not to go to battle not to win culture wars but to win hearts with the gospel to share the warning of hope the warning and hope of God's love and expectations a message of his pursuit of even the worst of sinners the Ninevites we see here in Jonah we see that here but like Jonah, many times the church doesn't do well with that command to go and tell. Are you keeping this message of warning and hope from people that you don't agree with? Remember what I said earlier the story of Jonah is about a man God and about a patient, loving, and merciful God running after him. What do we discover about God in verse 4? Look back into your Bible or on your notes at verse 4. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the, the ship threatened to break up. God sees Jonah run. God says to Jonah, Do something. And Jonah says, No. In his free will, Jonah runs the opposite way. Now, God seemingly allows Jonah to board the boat and begin his attempted escape. In Jonah's running, God is still in control. I say that he seemingly allowed Jonah to board the boat because the truth is God is still in control. In Jonah's free will, God is still powerful. God is still at work. The same is true for you. In your running, if you're running from God, God is still in control of things. Even if you don't understand why, God is still. He has a plan, and he's powerful. God is at work even as you run. This truth about God's nature is called God's sovereignty. This truth, this doctrine, it speaks about God's ability to rule over the world. He is the creator, He is the maker, He is the one who sustains all things. And as people who follow Jesus, we recognize this to be true that God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. Not only does God work in our lives, not only is he aware of our lives, he's, a, he's powerful enough to accomplish what He wants to have happen, even if we run. Even and even if we disagree, God's plans will happen one way or another. God will accomplish what He wants. In your notes, God is sovereign and all-powerful. God is sovereign, and this might, again, be a little scary for some of us. It's not meant to be. I don't mean to scare you with this. God's plans for you God's are good plans. God's plans for you are to bring you back to him, even if you're running away from him. Now, we haven't seen the whole message in Jonah yet. We just see that God wants Jonah to warn the Ninevites of their evil. God sees this evil in the Ninevites. Now, we call it sin, and their sin is everywhere. It's very much part of the culture of Nineveh. God sees this and sends Jonah to warn them about it. We'll get more of this message later on in this story, but God's desire for you includes a warning of your sin. Sin is the reason that there's so much pain and grief in the world. We all have sin in our lives. The people of Nineveh were evil and sinful. Jonah is rebelling against God and running from him. That's sin. In the New Testament, we find this in Romans. Romans 3:21 through 23 say this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This might be a little scary for some of us. But according to the Bible, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. To know that you have sinned and the same kind of evil that was present in the Ninevite people that is present in you is scary. Now, you may not cut off people's legs and left arm so that you can shake their hand as they die. That's probably not you. But if you're honest with yourself, you know there's evil inside of you. There's, in, there's evil inside all of us. There's evil inside of me. Some of us try to control it and hide it. Others don't do that as well. So many of us try to push it down with other things, and those other things end up being just evil or harmful. We all send a scary message, but it's true. And in that message, in understanding that we all have sin, God is chasing after us. But that's not that's not meant to be scary either. God is chasing Jonah, And he uses the weather and the sea to get Joni. Sometimes things happen to get our attention. Storm is scary. These sailors are experienced. The storm gets the attention of the sailors. These guys have been through rough storms before but storms are a part of life and this storm was a bit different. It drove it drove the sailors to pray to their pagan gods and they were scared and they were hopeless. Their fear drove them to try to find ways to make life easier. We do the same thing, don't we? Maybe we don't pray to pagan gods like these guys, but we do seek comfort. And protection from life storms in all kinds of places and the truth is you can't be comforted by those things only God can comfort you if you're scared and hopeless turn to God he alone can comfort you some of us might be oblivious to the storm around us we might not even know it's there we might be running from God but we don't see the storm because we don't we don't care anymore you might have been running from God for so long that you just don't care. You're used to running, and the storms don't phase you like they used to. You've got storms from, from earlier experiences that you remember, and they've numbed you from the current storm that surrounds you. Wake up. Look around. Sin is rampant. Evil is everywhere wake up If you were in a boat if we were in a boat together we would feel the past few years much like this storm fear has has taken a foothold in many of us Jonah is sleeping at the bottom of the boat oblivious to the storm that's about to take his life Are you asleep wake up. God is trying to get your attention. My job this morning is much like the unaborted. I'm coming to you and say, wake up, cry out to God, arise. To the Christian, are you apathetic to the world around you? Do you care that your neighbors aren't hearing the message of warning and hope because you're not telling them? Arise from your apathy and cry out to God on their behalf. And then share this message of warning and hope to the message from Jonah so far is for us to repent and to acknowledge God. Are you running from what you know to be right? Are you lost in rebellion? That sin of rebellion will eternally separate you from what God wants for you. Turn to him. Experience a life that God wants for you it's good. It's a good life. Repent. Turn back. I'll invite the worship team to come back up, and as they come, I will repeat. Wake up. Arise. Cry out to your God. Confess if you've been running from him. Confess that you may have found yourself disagreeing with God on certain things. As you've asked God why, confess that you've grown cold to Him and you just don't care anymore if that's you. God is chasing after you. Cry out to Him. Will you stand as we pray? This altar is going to be open. If you need to confess and cry out this morning, you you're more than welcome to do that in your seats if that's appropriate for you there's more to the story in Jonah and we'll get to that but for right now let's respond this morning in confession if it's appropriate if you found yourself running from God confess that turn back it's not too late let's respond by crying out ask him to work in your life ask him to work in our lives ask him to work in this church as we cry out to him and turn back to him. Let's pray. God, you are good. Thank you for this message of warning and hope. Lord, as you warn us, you express your love to us because your love drives your warning. If you didn't love us, you wouldn't warn us. And so thank you for this warning. Lord, work in our hearts, work in our minds. Help us to see and acknowledge if we've been running from you. If we have, turn us back. Turn us back to our first love, to you. Help us to rediscover that joy of our salvation. You are so good to us. The hope we have in Jesus is so good. The eternal life with you and all those things that you offer an eternity of being with you joy and complete goodness no tears no pain the very presence of jesus in you those are good help us to think about those things to warm us up to warm our hearts back toward you be with us thank you for jesus his name we pray. Amen.